Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, welcome to this week's edition of the Blues Talk. Again, John, Dave, myself. Going to look back over Leinster's victory against the Dragons last weekend. Do the Pro 14 action. Of course, look forward to Ireland's game against Italy this weekend. And all Pro 14 games, including Leinster's home fixture against Glasgow on Sunday. So, boys, uh, 35-29 against the Dragons in a, a quagmire over in Dave Parade. Yes, it was, uh, it was nasty. It was as nasty as we were expecting uh, the ground to be when you have 807 teams playing on it in two different codes and God knows what else. Um, and even Cardiff playing on it. Um, it was going to be a bit of a quagmire. Although I, I was confused. It's kind of a hybrid pitch, isn't it? It's, it's got a bit of... Yeah, the, all the grass is gone, but the plastic strands are still there. Yeah. <laughs> It's anyway nasty, but uh, we did what we had to do. Um, it wasn't the most exciting game ever, but you know we got five points out of it, and that's probably the best thing about the game: the fact that we got the five points. Uh, oh, and the fact that I was only a point out of my prediction. I you said were? We'd win, win by five points and score five five match points, uh, and it was six points. So I didn't realize they were going to kick so many bloody penalties. Or that we would go in at half time behind. Uh, we did go in at half time behind, didn't we? Just about. Yes, um, I think wasn't it? Oh, we were just ahead. Yeah, excuse me. Um, but yeah, we were behind for quite a while before we got our try machine rolling. Um, and but we did it in the end. Uh, nobody covered themselves in huge glory. Jack Conan was great. Got man of the match, obviously. Uh, and maybe that's that helped ease his arse into the chair on uh, in the twenty three for Italy. Um, there were a few other decent performances, but overall it wasn't uh, a vintage Leinster performance. But it never is in Rodney Parade, is it? Even in the and playing on that, like it's pretty hard achievement to score five try or yeah, it was five. So long ago, I can't remember um, five tries on a on a pitch like that. In, in fairly bad conditions is impressive enough. It's a, You're up against a Dean Ryan t- team and Dean Ryan teams are always, you know, resolute up front. Not, never, not really the greatest behind that, but uh, you, you have to break them down. And you, you, that's what we did. We, we just ground them out of it, really. Um, it wasn't, like you say, the, the, the conditions and the surface weren't one for flowing rugby. And we didn't try it. We just did what we were better at, and that was, you know, play a fairly limited game, but play it better than they could. And the, in the end, they weren't able to stop us. I mean, they conceded a penalty try um, from a mall that was going about 200 miles an hour. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we were the better team. We didn't really exert ourselves, didn't have to get out of really second or third gear to, 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 do, any, to do any damage. And at the end, it was, despite, I don't know what uh, your man was thinking when he kicked it dead, um, 
But despite it all, I mean, I don't think they. I mean, we could still be there, and they still wouldn't have scored that try. Um, they, did, they did score two tries in the last ten minutes to inflate the score. I mean, like, what were they? You know, they got fourteen points. Obviously, they were 15, 20, 15 35 down with less than ten minutes to play, and then they got their two tries. But that was a bizarre decision that that their out half chipped the ball off the pitch. I mean, like what? Like what did it gain? Like they. They remain a point or two ahead of Zebra. Yeah, I, 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 I can't kind of. I presume his like. I presume his thinking was, oh, if we turn over the ball, we could lose our losing bonus point. But that's really the bonus points are good to them. <laughs> that's that. Yeah, well, it's not, and it's also a very strange. I mean, it's it's even for even for a guy whose teams aren't regarded as being the most extravagant in the world. I don't think that would be the kind of thinking that Dean Ryan would encourage in his players. No, you would hope not. Anyway. I saw an interview, I think it was with Scott Penny um, uh, on, on um, I think it was a couple of, yesterday or today. And like he was just mentioning, like say at halftime, they just increased like the tempo, the intensity, pressure, and decided just to play rugby the way Leinster play. In other words, put your opposition under enormous pressure that they have to concede. Like we got into their, we got into their twenty-two six times and scored five tries. You know that's ferocious conversion rate. You know, like whereas they could be counting our twenty-two and make, you know, it would take them a long time to convert that pressure into points. Whereas, really, we were so clinical every time we went into their, into their red zone, we came away with points. 73 minutes, I think, it took them to score a try. And like you say, they scored two in the last uh, few minutes. But, like, they, that's the only two tries they scored. Everything else, well, I think they scored 15 points from the boot, which, yeah, I mean, it's not. I'm not criticising them for it, but uh, it, it certainly took a lot of their efforts to get over our whitewash. And at that stage, the game was over anyway, so... The thing that always surprises me about Dragons is they have a very limited game plan, but they actually have some great, good talent at the, in the back three. Um, yeah. But they, they don't seem to be set up to use them. I mean, they would be, for me, they'd be the guys that you'd be building a game plan around because they can be they can be game changers. They don't use them at all. Mm. Yeah. But like, we gave them every into the game. Like, we conceded 16 penalties in that match. You know, if you're going to do that, you're letting, you're giving the sucker an even break. And like, as you know, they were getting, like, I suppose they're an average team. So they were getting the three points, three points, three, six, nine, you know, whereas we were being so uh, clinical when we got into our, when we got into their 22, we were taking our points, living on scraps. But each time we, we put a bit of pressure on them, we came back in and we kept that scoreboard ticking over with going up in fives and sevens rather than in threes. Yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, that's, I mean, they, they had more possession, more clean breaks. Um, but, you know, it's better the territory. But that a lot of that stuff, those stats don't really tell you the story of a game. All they do is they tell you the story of possession or clean breaks or whatever. They don't say like, all you need is one clean break. You could you could have you could have one clean break against twenty, and still win by one try to nil, because 
it, it doesn't really tell the story of what you do after that clean break, you know? Mm-hmm. I suppose one, one notable um, selection at the start of the game was both Harry and Ross starting. I'm not sure if that was the first time both of them have played a game together. Uh, like from, from the get-go, was it? Was it the first one? That's the first I can remember. Yeah. Um, how Sorry. do you think that went, lads? Put it this way, I'm glad it was against Dragons. It was interesting. <laughs> Bad games. They, I mean, it was against Dragons. I mean, it, 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 it's hard to say. Um, I don't think I don't think Harry had the most brilliant of games, but you know, but it was better off. It wasn't this. It wasn't the uh, conditions for a player like him or for any really good out half. Really, um, I thought Ross. One one or two things that Ross did showed the difference in terms of experience, not necessarily in quality, but in terms of experience, where he get balls and just kind of take a beat and then pick out a really good kick. Um, and that's something that young out halves, not just Harry, but any young out half, has to learn to add to their game. That sometimes you just have to do to be progressive. You have to be conservative. It's it's a funny thing. I mean, I can remember when I was eleven years old going to rugby matches and hearing people giving out about kick tennis, you know, back that long ago. And it's gone on ever since. Um, and I think it's something that casual rugby fans miss a lot. Latin since, have you, John? Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's something that most, a lot of casual rugby fans, like nobody likes kick tennis or nobody likes a game that's all kicks. And, you know, well, very few. Uh, the purists might like a game full of scrums or a game full of whatever in the in the West that when somebody wins 3 0 or something. But most people want to see a bit of running rugby um, and hate when the team kicks it away and, you know, curse and swear. But it, tactically, especially in wet weather, tactically, it's the right thing to do. And you've got to do the right thing to do. It's no good keeping possession and doing a Joe Schmidt and going from your 22 every time. You're going to be killed, you know. There, there are, we've been picked apart by England doing that in the last few years, several times, where they had no possession, no, you know, they had a bit of territory but no possession, and they kicked it every time they got it, kicked it to one of our back three, and won the game by fifteen or twenty points. Uh, and that's what happens if you refuse to kick. Uh, so kicking is is a part of the game. Which the point I was getting around to was. Your point about Russ, uh, it, it was good to have two. It, it was interesting, I suppose, to have two brothers. They've probably done that in the back garden for a long time. But always you want to have the more experienced guy at 12 uh, who's who's got an eye over the other guy's shoulder, can talk him through the game and can also take the ball on if he needs to. He can become first receiver very quickly if he needs to. Uh, so it it was kind of in one way he was babysitting his, li- his little brother looking over his shoulder telling them what to do telling them you know where the space was or you know he has that extra half a second uh to make a decision so it, a i thought it was the right way around to play them rather than playing ross and you know might it, it might be more intuitive to put the more experienced guy at 10 especially on a wet day but i think 12 12 was the way around to do it um and yeah Okay, it was neither of them were, were you know were amazing, but it it's it certainly uh, it certainly worked as an experiment, and I think it's a good thing to have is is two playmakers in the in the back line. England have experimented with it. And, do you think? Uh, 
Sorry, sorry just to finish off, was, was it one of you who said last week, or was it somebody else said to me about having um, the, just the having the two the two playmakers like England do and changing the game up by bringing on the second guy, like uh, bringing on uh, uh, forward and putting Farrell out to twelve, is changes the way rather than just swapping a winger when you're bringing on Larmer for Keith Arrows or you're bringing on Keith Arrows for Larmer. You're not really doing much in the way of changing your strategy. All you're doing is just giving another guy a go on, on the wing. The ball might not bloody get out to him if you don't change something else. So you're, you're much better off changing something more fundamental, like bringing on a second playmaker. And instead of having two big centers have a, a playmaker set at 12 and you know that kind of thing. So I think it's a great thing to have in Leinster's armory, whatever about it, international, international level. Well, it's a great uh, option to have. Anyway, rant over. Do you, do you think it worked? Do you think, um, I'd say that was one of the worst games I've seen Harry play. And I thought that, I was wondering when I was watching it, was he intimidated by having his brother there? Hmm. No, I think it was just a crap day. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes there's no deeper reason than that. Um, I, I, I do think that, you know, a lot of people talk about, oh, we must have two playmakers without actually realizing that, you know, a lot of the time we always have had two playmakers in the team. I mean, whether it's, I mean, Gordon Darcy or whether it's Brian O'Driscoll, I mean, there was no position that they were incapable of playing. Um, you know, I, I, I think people look for a guy to hang the tag of playmaker around his neck and say, he's a second playmaker. When in reality, anyone playing 10, 12 and 13 should be a playmaker. Yeah, and that's when you see certain teams that the ball never gets out to the wing. It's because you've got two bushers in the centre and, yeah. you know, like playing, I'm not going to name any players, but playing two Jamie Roberts, you know, you're not going to, the wingers are not going to see the bloody ball unless the out half kicks it to them. That's, that's about the only way they're getting it. Or you've got Jamie Gibson Park lashing it out to the winger from the outside of a scrum. So... That's what I mean about changing, having the option to change the way you play by bringing on a play, another playmaker, whether that's at 15, 12, wherever. You see, in the Southern Hemisphere, they have that, the concept of the second 5-8, which is really a second out half playing sort of what we would consider the first centre position. It's not really, but kind of. Um, whereas in the Northern Hemisphere, certainly in the, the Anglophone world, the second playmaker per se has tended to be the 13, the outside centre. If you look back over the years, the guys who played that position have generally been a, a, another pivot to play around. Um, so you have kind of a, a difference in terminology and a difference in concept between the Southern Hemisphere and the Northern Hemisphere. And, and, and everything in the Southern Hemisphere is in vogue um, and has been for the last 10 years. So if that's how they do it, it must be right. Yeah, well, you've got, like, it's all about fractions. You've got your, we, we consider our 10 and our 9 halfbacks, whereas in, in the Southern Hemisphere, the scrum half is called the halfback. Yeah. And the centre is, the second centre we would call, is called the centre. Yeah. And the two guys in between them are five-eighths. So your, your three-quarter line is your two wingers and your 13, and your five-eighths, Think about the fractions again. Is your ten and your twelve, and obviously your full back is all the way back, and your half back is so you know it all it all makes mathematical sense there, guys. But. That's something that, about the deteriorating state of maths teaching in European schools more than anything. <laughs> it was decimalization kind of ruined it, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. 
Right. Um, I suppose, like you mentioned them earlier, I think, Dave, like Conan definitely was the main benefactor of, of that game. I know, obviously, Doris's injury, uh, O'Mahony's suspension, have all kind of been contributing factors. But uh, Conan had a fine game. And he, like, I think that's the second, certainly the second game I can remember him playing really, really well uh, in succession. So, like, his, his call-up onto the bench for, for um, Saturday was well-merited. Yeah, he looked like what he was. He looked like, he looked like an international standard play, player playing at a, in, in a mediocre Pro 14 game. That's, that, that, that's what he was. He looked like a, a class above. Another guy, actually, who didn't get quite as many plaudits, I'm not saying he's completely unsung, was Josh Murphy. Yeah. He's a I, think, I think he's going to be a significant player for Leinster in Ireland over the next Touchwood decade or so. Um, he's a really good player. He's a classical six, and he's just yeah. really, really. He's uh, a big. He's a big boy. He's six six. Yeah, he he's is a rookie, big boy. Yeah, rookie also sized. Yeah. Like um, the other thing, I, I was I just was looking just before we came on. I was looking at the Leinster website. He's actually twenty six. So like, you know, if he's around for another ten years, fair play to him. But uh, you know, he's. Well, that's like the thing I, I, about him. He I, could play in the row if he needed to, you know. Uh, well, he certainly has the physique. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and um, and he, I just one other, like I thought our, our back row was very good. I thought Scott Penny again had another good game. You know, he seems to know how to find a try line. And he's only 21, so he's only going to improve. Yeah, he's, he's, he's another good one. I mean, the thing, the thing about, about Josh Murphy, the best thing you can say about, sorry, just to go back to, just to finish it off, the best thing you can say about Josh Murphy is when he plays like that, you don't really miss Reese Ruddock. Mm. And that's high praise indeed because Reese Ruddock is in top form. Yeah. We'll get to the Irish selection. Um, so so that, that win obviously moves us up onto 55 points. We've won 11 of our 12 games, collected 11 bonus points, which... I think it could be quite significant when we uh, when we look when we go through the other results, and obviously we have to talk about um, Ulster's Ulster where they beat Glasgow, uh, good away win nineteen thirteen, but they they didn't score their fourth try bonus, and that could come back. That could come back. Um, because obviously us, us losing to Connacht kind of gave Ulster a bit of a fill up but if they keep losing leaking points that way then it, it takes things out of their hands because then it won't matter if, if, if they leak enough points and there's a six point gap then they can beat us with a, with a bonus point in Ravenhill and it still won't make a difference yeah. so they, they have to be careful not to be leaking points like that yeah um it's the big game. It's it's not ideally. I suppose we might get onto this later, but it's not ideally placed where we've got Glasgow and Ulster within six days of each other. Um, or is it five? No, it's six days, isn't it? Yeah, Saturday. It doesn't really hurt. It's not like a bit of heart, a bit a bit of a, a, a good stout warm up, you know, John. I mean, you can get into a situation where you can play a game and then feck off for three weeks and you lose everything that you gained from that game. Whereas having two games one after the other. You're much better prepared for the second game than you would have been if you were had if if we were playing Gla- uh, Glasgow and then we had a game against Zebra and then we had a game against Ulster, you know. Yeah, maybe so, maybe so. Yeah, well, like you know, initially I was thinking, God, we've a lot to do. You know, maybe going back 
into early January, I think we had we had two games in hand, but we had to win those games. Yeah. Uh, which we did. We beat Ulster as well, and we've been collecting five pointers, whereas they've been only collecting four. But we obviously have our fixtures to come next week. We play a pretty average Glasgow side, which I think have only got um what did I see there? Sorry, like they've only collected 16 points and you know of their of their 11 matches they've played, like whereas Ulster play the Ospreys, who are third in the conference, have won seven of their 12 games and have got 31 points. So, you know, Ospreys are say if the match was played on paper, you'd have to say Ulster have a harder game next weekend. We'll get to those matches shortly, but I would just say that Ulster have a harder run in than we do. It's only one more round of matches before we play each other. You know, like they've got to get five points out of that match in Ravenhill. You know, um, obviously we'd like to get five against Glasgow, but the ball is in their court. They have to really, really At the end of the day, there's five points between ourselves and Ulster. And the difference is five bonus points. That's literally what the difference is. We've got 11 bonus points and they've got six. So that's, I mean, that kind of leakage is, is, is what's killing them. Um, I agree with you entirely. That Ospreys, Ospreys have been going well. I mean, they're John's, they're the team John uses to say they're his favourite team when he doesn't want to be slagged about Cardiff in his favourite team, which they actually are. But um, they've been going well this year. I mean, and quietly as well. Um, all of a sudden you're, you're looking at, you're thinking, oh, Ospreys, how are they doing? Oh, they've improved on last year. Where are they? Oh, they're third and they're 16 point or 15 points clear of the team in fourth which is pretty impressive, really. Yeah, but they're 700 points shy of the team in second, though. Oh, yeah, they are. I mean, I, I say to, to yet again quote Bill Hicks, I know I keep quoting him, but um, after the first two, there's a real fucking drop-off. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's a similar kind of story in the other conference. Like, Munster had their win against Edinburgh away. There was a couple of nice tries. You know, Coombs again impressed Casey. Scored a lovely little dummy and dived over. But they had, like, they had 25 minutes to try and get that fourth point. Now, they're kind of in a slightly different situation as far as there's a, there's a significant gap between them and Connacht. However, Connacht did get their bonus point. I think there's nine points between them now. They do have to play each other the same weekend that we play Ulster. But if maybe if Munster slip up next weekend and... Connacht win with a bonus point it might be a chink of light, but they do have to travel to the Tolman in two weeks' time. So they have, you know, a very hard but achievable opportunity to win, to, to take that first position. The, the thing with conferences, it's much tighter. You know, you take Munster, Munster, you know, they're 46 points, Connacht 37, and then you've got 30, 26, 19. There is, it is much tighter. So the teams below a team below the team above it will be chasing that team. So it, it, it makes it a bit more competitive in terms of, you know, the, that those teams can see light ahead of them. Whereas, you know, ourselves and Ulster have just disappeared into the distance. And yeah. indeed, Ospreys have disappeared into the distance, albeit in isolation. So it, 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 there's a slightly different dynamic in our conference than there is in the Munster conference. But at the same time, that's credit to Munster for, you know, opening up as big a lead as there is in that conference, considering it's a much more competitive uh, division. Yeah, and Glasgow, uh, Scarlets are seven points behind, so 
you know, they've uh, they've a match. They don't have a match in hand. They've the opposite of a match in hand. They've played one more than the top two teams. They have the Liam Williams match played. The Liam Williams Memorial Trophy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so they had a, they had a fairly comprehensive victory against Treviso. Uh, Ospreys beat Zebrae ten 0 which I thank God I didn't uh, watch. I heard it was. Even I took a pass on that one, Jay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so that kind of rounded up our the round twelve games. Um, well, why don't we stick to Pro Fourteen as we look forward to next week's matches? We take on Glasgow in the RDS on Sunday. Um, so, as I said, like we 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 have our fifty five points, but I think, you know. This is a poor enough Glasgow side. It's it's incredible how the Scottish teams have, and while the national team is successful, the two the two uh, the two provincial sides Here's a have, question. have declined. Right, as you say, it's a poor enough Glasgow side. It's a poor enough Glasgow second team. The first team is still pretty good. Yeah. Question is, will they have any members of that first team? Seeing as they're not doing anything this weekend, I wonder. There's nine Glasgow players in the Scottish squad. So you wonder whether, like obviously, Ferguson has been suspended, so he's not going to be available. But they do have eight other guys that don't have a game. Mm. It'll be interesting to see. Now, the only thing is, was that the game was cancelled today. Yeah, it might, it might be too late to integrate them back into the... Yeah. Oh, and or whether they, Scottish want to break the bubble and bring players into their, into their provincial sides. I think we should, a breaking bubbles, indeed. Um, with from, a, from a COVID point of view, uh, might be the reason that uh, you know you could see in the in the pre-COVID days, you'd see at least several of them being released to be on the bench. Maybe they haven't trained all week, so they're not going to get in the first team. But or, you know, the, the the lads will have trained together as a team. Uh, but they, you could definitely see a few of them being used for the bench, which could make all the difference. Um, but with COVID, that might change, and you might see nobody going anywhere. Yeah, but it's like it, 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 it just struck me though that it's it's just sad, really, to see like this was the team. You know, Glasgow got to the final in in Parkhead a couple of seasons ago against us. He kind of thought this is great for the league. There's, I don't know, whatever it was, 45,000 or whatever in, at that final in Glasgow. You know, they're really going to ramp up a gear and sort of drive rugby forward in Scotland. And they've just seemed to have regressed. I mean, they've only won three of their 11 games this year. Like, it's... It, it was great for a while. We, we all thought that because even before uh, two years ago, Glasgow had won the Pro 14, then uh, Scarlet's won it. And you thought, oh, great. I mean, here's, here's, here's something that's going to challenge the traditional uh, Irish hegemony, you know? Um, and both teams fell off a cliff almost immediately afterwards. I mean, Glasgow had a little bit of a bounce two years ago, <coughs> but haven't been seen since. Now, okay, they lose players. And that's we, we've discussed it at great length, the Scottish system, where they kind of have to push players out to get new players through. So they do have a turnover of players, but they've also had a turnover of coaches, which hasn't helped. Um, and not all of them have been successful. And it's kind of been the same in, um, in Scarlet's. 
where between player turnover and coach turnover, the whole thing has been very, very much, uh, I don't want to say uh, chaos because it's not really chaos, but it's been, it's been very up in the air and, and, and a lot of change. And, you know, you, you do try and minimize change. You try and minimize the effects of change in any, in any sphere. And neither of those teams have really been able to manage it. Yeah. And like, I mean, you know, we, we'll say that like Lens or sorry, we say Glasgow have been badly affected by, you know, having nine players away with Scotland. Like just 20 Leinster lads in the, yes, it's these matches while the, and you know, this season, obviously the nature of it, we've had a lot of international rugby. We've had two, was it two or three um, games from the Six Nations? We've had the four games during the autumn internationals. And then, so like, you know, there's a lot of, a lot more international, there's probably three extra games of international rugby that the, we call them the second players for, or the non-international players have had to step up and, and fill, fill in for the, you know, the, for the, for the internationals. And yes, you see the results. I mean, where we've lost one game against Connacht you know, dating back until the, the start of the start of the Pro, Pro 14 this season, and probably going back all, all the entire season last year. And um, it's just incredible that, that Leinster can continue just to, to drive through and, and keep that production line going. I think, I think in, 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 in 100 years' time, when somebody does the History of Leinster Rugby Volume 2, um, I think that one of the things that they will look at is, as part of Joe Schmidt's legacy, is the importance he placed on these games. The games during the Autumn Internationals, the games during the Six Nations, and the value that they could bring to younger players. So you've got a situation where, okay, the Internationals are away, younger players get their chance, and they treat these games every bit as seriously and go at them every bit as hard as the seniors do for a Heineken Cup final or a Heineken Cup semi-final. Because for them... That this isn't just you know an opportunity to play a game in the Pro 14 while the internationals away. This is an opportunity for them to map out a, a future career in the game. You have to start somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and if you start if you start somewhere and do it with full effort, then then it 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 gets remembered by coaches, it gets remembered by players, it gets remembered by fans. It, it's it's just a shame though that. Because of so, I, I and I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to uh, logically think about what is what's the reason for it. You know, France take their league very seriously by their by their. I'm talking about their fans, their media. You know, the sort of the season ticket holders that go to Leinster take it, take the Pro 14 reasonably serious. They wouldn't buy a season ticket otherwise. They wouldn't invest that money. They want to go and watch their team playing in their league, regardless of whether it's Johnny Sexton or previously Brian O'Driscoll playing. They want to see 15 lads wearing blue jerseys playing for their, their club talking out, and that's still Leinster. But, like, is it our GAA tradition in Ireland that yeah. the yeah. Allianz leagues are nothing and it's only championship that matters? And, like, is that why? I mean, I don't the two, know. The two things, the two things that, that we got from the GAA, um, one is a sense of place. That's why the provincial system in Ireland works, whereas it hasn't worked in um, Wales and doesn't really work in Scotland. And two, it's the league doesn't matter. It's all about the championship. Yeah. Is that really, is that really, you know, there's 
there's many other things that feed into that. Like there are other things that feed into it, but the attitude, the attitude is. I mean, if you talk to a hardcore GAA fan, any of them will tell you that the best football, certainly in, in Gaelic football, isn't played in the Championship. It's played in the in the uh, National League because the teams are grouped by division. So the team, the competition is much more even. So you don't have Dublin going to play Leitrim or Dublin going to play Longford. It's Dublin against Kerry. It's Dublin against Monaghan. It's Dublin against uh, Tyrone, uh, Tyrone or Mayo. And because some players aren't necessarily available for the leagues, it, 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 it gathers it together. So the games are much better as a game. A National League football match is brilliant. It's it, somebody, if you're not watching them, I'd strongly advise that you do if you're a Gaelic football fan. But it's all about the championship. At the end of the day, it's all about the championship. Um, and this is, and that's, we get the exact same thing in, 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 in Ireland with the Pro 14. Some of the games that are played, some of the players that you get to see, you get to see young players, you get to see new players, you get to see class players playing against teams. And, and the games are, can be more competitive, but they're not because Leinster take them so seriously. But that attitude towards the Pro 14 is a GAA attitude. Well, you could also say that the competition that was there earliest is the most respected. Like the top 14 in France, they've been played for a hundred and odd years. Fellas of great grandfathers have played in it. And, you know, there's such a tradition about it. Therefore, it's really important. Uh, the Heineken Cup was there for six or seven years before. Four years, John, four years. Before the Pro 14. For the Celtic League. Well, okay. If you're counting the Welsh Scottish Second thing, it was four years. But... I'm talking about the, the one with us in it. I'm talking about the Celtic League with us in it. Well, it, it started, started in, let's not get too bogged down, but it started in 95 and our league didn't start until 2001-2 season. That's but anyway, yeah. uh, the, the, uh, the older competition, again, is the most important. And okay, it's a European competition, but... That is trumped in France by the fact that their competition is so ancient and venerable. And even with the English, their, their competition really goes back into the 80s, officially into the 90s. But, you know, it's kind of been around since the 80s in one form Courage, or another. Courage League started in 1983. Yeah, so... They the Pilkington Cup go to waste, John, and that was a far older competition. Yeah. You know? Things change, uh, especially, especially with... Um, with professionalism, but my only point is that you know when when we started the, in the Celtic League, it was to prepare players for the Heineken Cup in the same way as the Heineken Cup was to prepare players for international rugby. So there's a there's a hierarchy there by design, and the way the unions use the competition, they don't manipulate stuff as much for the Heineken Cup, but they really do for the Pro 14. Like. The, the rumour has always been, and again, everything in Irish rugby is shrouded in mystery, but it's always been that, well, you know, it's the Heineken Cup, you can pick whoever you want, doesn't really matter. Where it, oh, it's the Pro 14, we want Rob Kearney playing fullback this week because we need a game under him before we play him in the Six Nations. That, you know, that doesn't happen so much. So there's another element that feeds into it that gives you more respect for the Heineken Cup than the league. It's, it's multifactorial, Dave, I think you'll find. Hmm. Interesting though, but it just, just just struck me as you know what was what was like. You speak to some of the older players; they don't. I don't think they really respect it as much. Certainly, the media don't. I mean, I was listening to the RT podcast 
so it's 45 minutes long. They didn't mention Pro 14 Rugby in one sentence in their 45 minute, like it was all to do with, well, other rugby matters, but certainly nothing to do with Pro 14. Just, you know, like, it's kind of the fallow week, so it's, yeah, well, they, what they didn't have a match to review. You don't respect rugby. Never mind the competitions. They don't respect the game. I mean, you see some of the scurrilous crap some of them write um, and snide, cynical stuff, you know, that there's no need for or no reason to it except to be snide. Mm. The only, I mean, you get the feeling some of these guys would much rather be covering, I don't know, business or politics or something. They don't feel that they're real journalists. And, and in as much as they're correct because they're not real journalists, um, they they take it out on the sport and instead of you know reporting on the sport or i'm not asking them to boost it i'm asking them to be honest and they aren't and, that, and there's a reason why there's there's a hundred independent podcasts been recorded up at the length and breadth of ireland and the uk this week it's because the rugby media has let them down and then you'll see the guys going on oh, why doesn't anybody buy newspapers anymore because of you guys that's why okay Anyway, rant over. <laughs> over, fair play, Dave, fair, fair play for saying it. Uh, like, obviously, we don't have the teams announced yet for our game against Glasgow, uh, so very difficult. I mean, it's just, I presume, going to be a, a similar enough team that was put out as last week. There might be a couple of fellas missing. Like, I think maybe someone like Ross Byrne might kind of be 24th man, you know, like... You won't be seeing Jack Conan, put it that way. <laughs> no, not Jack Conan, no. But like then I suppose there's, you know, there's a few other lads. Like Ryan Baird's been subbed up to Ireland. Uh, Conan, obviously, you mentioned. You're going to have Dad's army in the second row, more than likely, if, if Scott Fardy makes it back. Himself and, uh, and Towner will probably be lining out, you would have thought. I would have thought we'll need uh, Scott Fardy for six. Who knows? Um, Josh Murphy. Yeah, well, will he not be playing eight? We've no eights at all, unless they take a risk on Alex Soroka. That is a risk. Um, so their options are, you know, uh, Alex Soroka, who's who's been a very good player in, in, in age grade and, and up to this point, whether they're going to expose him against Glasgow or de- debut him, expose is the wrong word, and debut him against Glasgow, or they go with a, a guy like Josh Murphy, who's some experience playing there, not a huge amount. Um, and maybe put Scott Fardy at, in at six and then have Ross Maloney and Devin Toner in the, in the second row. <coughs> yeah, that's all. If, if Fardy is okay, he, he, he did. Uh, I mean, we have, we, we, have Scott Pe- we have Scott Penny at seven. The interesting question is the Ireland team, uh, who will be 24th man forward? Uh, would it be Reese Ruddock or Josh van der Fleer? And if it's one of them, would we get the other back? Maybe not to start, but maybe to go on the bench. Again, I think that's a bubble question as much as a yeah. as a twenty fourth man question. Uh, but yeah, it would be extremely good to get one of them for a bench. Uh, if you got if you got Ruddock, you could start him at eight. Well, you could certainly bring him on at eight if you needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're taking pressure off maybe Alex Soroka. You could you could go with him, knowing that you have the the. The 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 uh, uh, Ruddock behind the glass in case of emergency. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I haven't seen Soroka. I've so, I saw him in that televised game against Ulster, eh? and 
nobody played very well in that. It was maybe one or two who, who weren't shit. Uh, Osborne and um, yeah, even guys who are brilliant like Ryan Baird didn't have a great game. No. Uh, and Jack Dunn were really Jack uh, Dunn they were really poor in that game. And like they're two I've, I, I've, players. That game is of no value in terms of assessing players because we know that they're better players than that. Um, yeah. So, you know, it, it, it's an interesting choice. I mean, we're, we're strong in a lot of positions. I mean, we can put out a front five that would that would be of Heineken Cup standard. You know, and, and most of our back row would be similar. It's after that that things get a little bit wishy-washy. Oh, Benty apparently uh, was uh, personal reasons that he didn't travel last week, so he should be good to go. It's not an injury or anything. Um, it has to be said. It has to be said in review of last week that both uh, Clarkson and McGrath ca- covered themselves in as much glory as was available in in, in Rodney Parade. Well, they were uh, up against some serious um, real operators lads in the front row. Like they're real. Um, they may not be the most talented players, but they're very experienced. Yeah. So they're, they're, they also have to contend with White House. Yeah. <laughs> He's becoming a blight on the game, all right, isn't he? I thought I had great hopes for him, I have to say, but because he was, you know, a young ref coming coming in, but he can be a bit pedantic. Mm. Yeah. Certainly, I thought he, I thought he was really refereeing only one team for large chunk. I hate criticising referees, but I'm just about to do it. Um, you know, I, I thought he was only refereeing one team, even though like he. You know, he still gave penalty try against. Dragons. Yeah, if you look at the, it's it's funny. Like you could say that, and I I I, necess- I wouldn't necessarily agree with you or disagree with you. The penalty count was was very, uh, we'd say one sided. But then you look at the refereeing outcomes. You know, two two yellow cards and um, two yellow cards and a penalty try. You know, it's very hard to argue with that. Yeah, sure is. Look, it's a, it's a bloody hard game to referee. I don't envy anyone who does it, uh, and. People I know who criticise referees a lot, I quite often ask them, who's a good referee? And all they'll ever say is Nigel Owens. That's it. But, you know, he's retired, at least retired from international. So who's a good referee? (laughs) There's no answer. So, I mean, that just shows you how hard it is to referee the game of rugby. You need eyes in the back of your head. You, you, You need two referees like rugby league, really. I'm not saying I'm not advocating, and I'm not saying we should go there, but to to you know, there's so many interpretations. It's every breakdown is. I wish touch judges would be more vocal like, and forceful. Yeah. I mean, like they they've changed their name, like they've changed their name now to assistant referees, and they really have to do more than just you know mark if a ball goes into touch, and a lot of them don't. But there's a lot of subtlety goes on between touch judges, assistant referees, and refs. In that the ref is seen as the, you know, it's sort of the, the assistant or the uh, touch judge, sorry, the uh, match, the television match official comes on apologetically saying, oh, uh, you might want to just have a look at that again. And just, you know, it's all very deferential. So if the referee calls something, they have to have a bloody good case, A, before he'll overturn it, and B, they're going to make him look like, shit if they really pull them up badly and so they just tend not to they just tend to a few subtle hints like oh maybe you have a look at that guy remember, you also have to remember we can hear the tmo we can hear the referee we can't hear the touch judges or yeah, that's true enough but i'm just saying they could be 
for, for all we know, just just an example, like you're saying about Whitehouse being very pedantic at the scrums last week. For all we know, all those calls came from the from the ARs. We yeah, don't care. Fair enough. But like we stand when we used to be able to go and watch matches, we sit or stand. Not you know the RDS isn't like a running track around it. We we are quite close to the touch judges on the side on the on the, on the touchline. Like we've often said, you can see a guy's offside, or you know, you can see if uh, a knock on, and they rarely will intervene to say there was a blatant knock on. Whereas everyone in that vicinity could see it, regardless of whether it's for your own team or against your team. I just rarely see them intervening. Maybe at scrum time, they can say, oh, the loose head's pulling down, or, you know, drop down first. Fair enough. Certainly, incidents that's in front of your eyes, and you can see it yourself. You're only, you know, you're only a few meters further away from the action than the touch judge, and you'd be just questioning why isn't he intervening more? I would, I, I would. For all we know, uh, the touch judges, because we again, when we're in the ground, all we can see are their backs. For all we know, they could be t- t- talking to the referee over their league, saying, "You stupid, blind, effing, bleeding b, why the hell haven't you given the knock on there?" And the referee going, "Shut up." No, it's you've, all... left your, you've left your cane at home with mine. Yeah. We don't. We don't. We don't know. You see, that's. And then, I mean, to be perfectly honest, it'd be, it'd be quite interesting if everyone was mic'd up instead of just like the the TMO and the ref, like Actually, Ralph Garney during the week. Yeah, yeah. That, that was interesting to see, wasn't it? I yeah. was surprised how um, vocal he was in the games. Yeah, even Tampa was impressed. And he he looks like he's. Um, signed to be a bit more than just a player like it looks like he's in there as a mentor experienced mentor as well. for sure um before we move on from leinster lads just there was i i'm not sure if you saw the report that was in uh, i think it was in the it was in the i think it was in the indo um just a few obviously there was no decisions made yet but they're talking of toner and fardy leaving with the possibility of going after a Kiwi prop. Yeah, so that all right. Uh, it'll be interesting. If, well, it's sad to see Toner and Fardy go, but obviously interesting to see a new a new prop come in. I think the other one that was, I think it was uh, Rory O'Connor mentioned was um, Bentley hasn't made up his mind whether he's going to stay or go. Well, that's why we're getting a Kiwi prop, I would imagine. Yeah. But, yeah, but it's, not, it's not. What's where, where does this guy play? Tight head. Tight head. No, he, tight doesn't, he doesn't play tight head. He's a loose head. Oh, is, is he? he? Yeah. I thought he was a tight head. He's a head. Ah. Fair enough. Sorry, I thought the article said tight head. Sorry. The article might have said tight head, but obviously they don't know the address. It's rugby. Okay, UK. <laughs> um, the, I, I, I mean, look, it may be true. It may not be true. I don't see any point to it at all. Even if the guy was a tight head, I don't see any point to it. Um, you know, the, the, there's all it's going. There's talk of it going hand in hand with Porter being moved back to Loosehead again. I don't see the point of it. Um, Andrew I Porter. You, I thought our, our most successful period of Leinster rugby, or one of them, was when we had two excellent sets of front rows. Yeah, and one guy, one set played sixty minutes in week one. And then a new set come on and play 20. And that, that set play following week for 60. And the original front rows come in and play final 20. 
and because has rotated. You worked fabulously under Schmidt. In we're the... well said. We, okay, Keen Healy's getting on, but there's guys underneath him. Um, I think Ed Byrne is a very good player. I think that Peter Dooley is an exceptionally good tight or loose head who's very underrated. Um, and then there's guys under that. And, and I like likewise at tight head, you've got, you've got the two obviously international guys. They'll probably go if there were a Lions tour, they'd be kind of you know odds on to get on the plane. <clears throat> and then you've got the likes of Clarkson underneath that. So I mean, it seems like a strange signing, a, a completely needless signing. I if if we were going to sign a foreign player and the budget was there and the permission was given, I'd much rather have a utility back, to be honest with you. Well, the thrust of that article seemed to me, from my from memory, that to be that Benty's off, uh, Porter is going to be tried at loose head, therefore your man would make sense as a tight head. If you're saying he's not a tight head, because I don't know the guy, if you're saying he's not a tight head, then it doesn't make a whole heap of sense at all. Here's another thing. Porter started out with Leinster as a loose head. And, you know, for all his attributes, he wasn't particularly good at it. Peter Dooley was far better. Far, far better. No, he wasn't, John. I mean, you look back at it and he wasn't. He hardly played for Leinster. I know. Loose head, so. And there's a reason for that. Well, the reason was he, they started converting to tight head. It wasn't because he was shy at loose head. I'm not saying he was shy. He just wasn't very good. He's a world-class lo- tight head. He's not going to be a world-class loose head. Well, I don't know. I think he could play on either side, but I don't think it's fair to the guy to be pushing him across and back in the modern game. It's not a it's not a big asset in the modern game. You've a specialist one of each on the bench on 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 the field. To show how good a tight head he is, he's been playing the position for quite a short period of time, and he's already at the level he is in a position that it's universally regarded as one of the most difficult positions on the pitch to play. I think, I think it shows what a wonderful tight head he is and what a wonderful tight head he will be in the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I, wouldn't I, I, that. I just, I, I totally agree with you, but I just don't think that he's a rubbish loose head. That's all. I don't think he's rubbish. I don't think he's as good as other options we have. I think he could, he could, could convert back across. And I think in the article, it also said something about, wouldn't it be great if Ireland could play, him at loose head and tight furlong at tight head. Uh, well, yes, it would on one hand, but on the other hand, you've got one less decent guy on the tight head side. So I don't see the point. I, I agree with you on that, Dave. I just, I just think that uh, he, he went all the way through as a loose head and he only converted. Like he played on the team with James Ryan that uh, became the first male team to beat the All Blacks, uh, the first male Irish team to beat, well, they're not the All Blacks, they're the Baby Blacks. Uh, in the under twenty World Cup, so you know he was he was no slouch. Uh, and as I remember it, it was literally John Fogarty changed him over to tight head, literally in his first se- senior season. Yeah, within a couple of games. I, 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 I think part of the reason for that was because Peter Dooley is a, was and is a better prospect in that position. Um, I think people people expected because you know you're not playing for Ireland or you're not playing for. The lines, you're no, you're no good. Whereas, in fact, if you look at, you know, Peter Dooley has, you know, what perhaps the greatest prop to ever play for Ireland in front of him. You know, so mm-hmm. it's, it, there's no slight, there's no uh, shame there for with him not being an international regular. So right. I, I, I think we're well stocked. I think the future cupboard, if you like the the the, the, the if, if you like the maturing cupboard, is, is is going well as well. Remember, there's there's guys like Fakab Deladze to come back as well. 
So if hopefully he does, he's out a long time. He's out a long time. Especially over his back, isn't he? There are, yeah. Um, but what I'd like to see is I'd like Ben to stay on another year to help the likes of, of Clarkson come through. Ben has been an absolute brilliant player for us. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, and, and like I, 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 I 100% agree with your point about maybe buying in a uh, someone else that, you know, if you look at, like we, I, we I think we're reasonably well stocked with props, mm. but like I think if you look over the last, say since the since lockdown started so a year ago, we were going to lose a lot of experience from our side. We've already lost Rob, talk of Fardy, Toner. We've lost to Manny. Like I know he didn't play a whole lot, but he was an Australian international with a bucket of experience, and we missed McFadden. So that's five guys that have hung up their boots or moved on, you know, in, in, in the last sort of season and a bit. And there's definitely an opening there for some guy to come in with, with a bit of experience into the back, so utility back, that will give good cover. And particularly when you go over to games like in the Dragons during the international weekends, that there's someone with a bit like remember EC used to fill in in those games. You know he was like the granddad going in there minding the. the, if, the only, if only we had somebody like Jimmy O'Brien or <laughs> Tommy O'Brien or. Yeah, but you still. You, I mean, you still, you're talking about. I mean, whatever about Jimmy, but you're Tommy O'Brien. You're talking about a guy who's played what four times for Leinster. Yeah. You, you, you need somebody with a bit. That's not experience, John. No, absolutely. But it's talent and it's potential. Oh, it's talent. But you need somebody to stand beside that talent and potential to push it in the right direction. And, and someone has to nurture them. Yeah. I get your points. Yeah. Anyway, boys, the time, the time is flying by. So I want to sort of get through a few more. So look, um, good news on, on sort of from an Irish point of view, Joey Carberry's on the bench yeah. for Munster next week. Great or news. This, uh, this weekend. They take on Cardiff. So we kind of touched on and they're, they, they also need, like, they're nine points ahead of, of Connacht, but they do need to continue winning. Otherwise, it could be sweaty Pam's time if they lose that game and they have to play uh, Connacht. You know, they could be, it could be swings, swinging that. Um, obviously, we take on Italy on. Everything. If Joey Carberry comes on and drops every ball, and miss kicks every kick and falls over, but gets up and dusts himself down and keeps running. If he does that for 20 minutes, I think all of Irish rugby will be happy. Mm-hmm. Because just to get through 20 minutes of, of, of on-field rugby would be a great achievement for him when you consider all he's gone through. Yeah, agreed. And like, I mean, he's had so many bad injuries mm-hmm. in the last, well, three years. I mean, I think, I remember he was playing against Fiji. He kind of got two massive lads collided in. Yeah. And I think he played his wrist. Was his wrist? And yeah. then he played for Ireland against Italy in a warm-up friendly before the World Cup. Um, damaged his ankle, went off on a stretcher, and was kind of, you know, he, he travelled to Japan, but I'm not sure if he played. And then he kind of made fits and starts of a return in January with Munster and got injured again. He's been out for nearly a year or over a year. So obviously for Irish rugby, we want him back in the saddle as soon as possible. Um, 
the team is announced for Ireland against Italy. So seven changes made. Um, some interesting ones. Byrne moves from the second row into the back row at six. And um, I think the seven, seven new, not new caps, but seven changes from, from last week. Kilcoyne and Keller and Furlong. So new front row. Ryan's back. Connor's in at seven. Sexton and Larmer into the backs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... Uh... I think I kind of alluded to it earlier. Sexton, Earl, or sorry, uh, Larmer, Earls. It's, it's. I think Larmer obviously has, is younger and has more potential. Uh, Keith Earls, great player and all as he is, is is aging. Um, Stockdale's injured. Uh, there's a few other guys injured. Stockdale I, plays for Ulster tomorrow on the wing. Oh, does he? Excellent. Yeah, Alakun's back on the bench. That could be interesting. Uh, won't be so interesting if they both have stormers and then play against us in the following week. But uh, from an Irish perspective, it could be good towards the end of the championship. Bit of strike running from um, Stockdale against England and Scotland might not be the worst thing in the world. Um, but yeah, James Lowe, he's kind of uh, the jury's out on him for Ireland really at this stage. He's, he still has the super stuff in attack. But I think you've pointed it out yourself, Jason, of a few of his mistakes that have led in tries uh, in games that we've lost, in the two games that we've lost so far. So uh, having somebody a bit more solid like Keith Earls maybe is a, is a good thing. Uh, having said that, Jordan Larmer going forward is, you know, if you're going to play the two of them together against Italy is the time to do it uh, when they could, you know, cut loose and score a few tries. Uh, it could be the difference between third place and fourth place or third place and second place if we're really, really, really lucky. Um, like, can I just put, you know, when you're talking about the money for like, money is actually not that much difference. Like if you finish fourth and you finish sixth, there's one million pounds sterling difference. The IRFU turnover 78 million and they're hemorrhaging, they're hemorrhaging seven million a month. A month, it's like five million a month. Like that difference between coming fourth and coming sixth is quite insignificant. And this is like if you just look at the Italian team, they picked eight from Treviso, five from Zebre. A, a guy, the fullback Trulli, is from Calvisano, and they picked the third choice scrum half from Gloucester. Like, Zebra have won three of their 12 matches this season. Treviso haven't won any. And, like, of, of those matches, those three matches that Zebra have won, two of them have come against Treviso, and one was against the Ospreys at the start of the year. Like, I, I wouldn't say that... I wouldn't be surprised if the team that Leinster put out last weekend would beat this Italian team. And I just feel that it is a... like. I think Farrell has boxed very clever, but first of all, I think it's a missed opportunity from Ireland to really give youth its head in this game. And I think Farrell has, but I do think that Farrell has kind of, he's played a very clever game. He's brought these seven new changes in, so he's kept the squad very happy because he's promoted from within. He's given people in the squad a chance so they can see that there's opportunity and rotation. He's also kind of kept the media off his back a little bit because he has made these changes. 
he hasn't stuck to the 15 that played last week and were, or the week before and was beaten by France, beaten by Wales. He hasn't made the seven changes in one positional. But in saying that, I just wish that he had given the likes of, and I'm not, again, I'm not talking about bringing in Hawkshaw out of nowhere. Like, I wish he had a start at Casey. I wish he had a start at Baird instead of sitting them on the bench. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't have a magic wand to say, oh, you know, Harry Byrne is going to be the best out half in the world. Like, who knows? But we, we should try him. I mean, it's Italy. If we lose this game, okay, it's, but it's not the end of the world. I mean, as I said, it's, it's, a, million, it's a million quid difference between finishing fourth and finishing sixth. When you're, when you're losing five million a month, a million quid is a drop in the ocean. When you're losing five million a month, a million quid is is, is, is not. It's a bit more than a drop. The other it's, not, uh, it's not because it's. I'm talking about doing I think you've been. I think you've been a bit unfair on the Italian selection. I think that um, if it weren't for Dupont, Varney would actually be the best scrum half in the tournament. Um, I, I I think that's a bit of unfair, and he's a very young player as well. I mean, Italy have actually done what you've accused Ireland of not doing yeah. to a certain extent. They've I gone know, absolutely the youngest team in the and, tournament, and Italy are doing it. Because they're saying, well, we need to do something. Because if you continue doing the same thing and expect different results, that's the definition of insanity. We're doing the same thing. Regardless of, we, I, know your, I know your views on the World Cup. I disagree with them, but I'm not going into, the, into an argument with you over it. But if you are planning for the next World Cup cycle, this is a wasted year, a wasted year, waiting until, oh God, well, you know, next season, Joey Carver will be back or maybe... If, if, he, if he gets a bit of holy water on him and we get a few novenas, he might make, he might make the, the final game of, of the, you know, if he comes through his match uh, for Munster against Cardiff at the weekend, you know, you never know, he might feature against England in the last game. Like, you know, it's Hail Mary stuff. I, I agree with you there. I agree with you there. I, I think that no effort has been made to, to uh, develop a reasonable alternative, not to Johnny Sexton, but to Joey Carberry. Uh, never mind Johnny Sexton. Um, I think I, I, I have my own opinion why that is. I think that there's a lot, lot in, invested in Joey Carberry becoming Ireland's out half and everything is tested on that. But that's just my opinion. I think that there are, are options. That, the problem is that, we okay, we've looked at Billy Burns. Billy Burns is a guy with a great pedigree, but the reality hasn't been, hasn't matched up to it. Um, you look at uh, Healy and Byrne, they're the guys you'd be looking at. But the guys that they've invested in, they've invested in all the guys that we see don't work in terms of Burns. They invested in Burns. They brought, they invested in Jack Carty. Good players, very good players. Don't get me wrong. And like, let's be honest. I mean, way, way better than we're, we ever were or ever would be. But they're not going to, they don't have that little bit extra that takes you from being a, a good pro 14 player, a decent European player to being a good international player they don't have it so I agree with you in, in, in as much as that something has to be done with Byrne and something has to be done with Healy I'm just not sure what and I'm but if if, if you were ever going to do it it's the Italy game that you do it in I mean even yeah, well, even, the guy you, even the guy sorry just to finish off a guy who I would consider to be one of the most conservative selectors in in, in, in recent rugby history who was Declan Kidney when we won a Grand Slam he took a big risk in that Italy game. 
if you remember. He made a lot of changes. Now, okay, maybe he didn't bring in young kids, but he, he kept his squad happy by making a lot of changes for that game. I'm not, it's not, not in comparison to this because they were going for a grand slam and he still took that risk. So, you know, and Scotland if Nathan well, Kinney can do it. Do you remember? Hmm? So he, he also made changes. He made changes for the Scotland game as well. Yeah. But the Italy game, he made he made a lot of changes in, and 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 he took that risk. Um, so, what's generally, I, I I understand why coaches are conservative selectors. I think on this in this match, they've erred on the side of caution. Yeah, I I disagree. Um, or because I don't know. I mean. I, I'm glad that they made the changes. They they did. They tried to you know spark things up, but when they announced the squad a month ago, I was disappointed. And they're just rearranging those formations yeah. of the of the players. I was disappointed that they didn't include some more players in that squad, some some younger blood. I mean, they have brought in like obviously Baird Baird and Casey are on the bench. Connors is, is a young young player, but you know like. They have to win the game, obviously, but I mean, I just think it was a, another opportunity missed. But like, it was funny, I was listening to, it was the same RT podcast, actually, and they were talking about Sexton and something needs to be done about Sexton and he doesn't last the time, doesn't last the, the games, right? So I had a little look on, on um, the IRFU's website. And in the last 13 games that Sexton has played, and this dates back to the 7th of September 2019, he's played 80, 802 minutes of the 1,040 minutes available in those 13 games that he's played, which is 77% of the matches. 77, he's played 77% of the time on the pitch. Conor Murray has played one extra game in that I discounted. He played, came on a sub and I discounted the two matches, just, just matches that he started. He played 30, He played 14 games compared to Sexton's 13. He's played 890 minutes out of, um, out of the, the maximum that he could have played, which is 79% of the time compared to 77. So they're very similar, but it's Sexton that's saying, oh, he never lasts. Like Murray actually has only played 2% more of the matches 14 matches that he's played. Um, you see, I can't. You know, Irish media are complaining about. They, they seem to be simultaneously complaining that he plays too much and not enough. You know, what, what's, what's, yeah. what's the and, point? You know, it's, it's, it, I mean, it's, 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 it's unbelievable. So, and, and the point, I, I, and as you say, I mean, when he plays, he plays most of the game. I mean, they, I mean, the other thing about Farrell is he's very slow to make substitutions. He didn't bring on Casey last week, for example, uh, although I kind of understood that. Um, but he's got him on the bench again this week, and he's, he's a slow substitutor, like, like international coaches tend to be, uh, yeah. with the front row. Well, again, I just had a look at that. In six of the games, six of the 13 games Sexton's played, he played for greater than 70 minutes. So yeah. six of 13. Murray, for six of the 14 games he's played, he's played more than 70 minutes. So Sexton's actually played percentage-wise more games than, more more 70 minutes than, than Murray did. Mm. 
Um, to, to a certain extent, you can understand that in terms of if you look at the guys who are behind Murray and the guys who are behind Sexton. Um, but it does just show how how resilient Johnny Sexton is, which is a point that no journalist will ever make. Yeah, I think he just rubs them up the wrong way. And, you know, even during the week, you know, I mean, it was last week, he was, uh, he made a comment about, he was like, and it was quite different the way it was reported to what he actually said. He's, he's been honest. He was just saying, look, I'm not sure whether I'll be here for the World Cup. Yeah. Like, it wasn't saying, oh, I'm jacking it in, lads. You know, he said he hasn't, he said he's almost decided, almost put pen to paper for a new deal. So that brings him up for one more year. But, you know, then we were kind of speculating, is he unhappy with Cat? And is that, maybe he, I don't, look, I'm on, I don't know, I'm you know, getting into the realms of conspiracy, that's, but maybe. I think, I, I think Johnny Sexton's attitude to the Irish print media wouldn't be wildly different to Jamie Heaslip's. And for similar reasons. I think, nice. I think nothing annoys players more. The, the second most annoying thing I'd say for a player is ill-informed and mindless speculation about their health. Yeah, true. Um, just sort of moving away from Ireland first, very, very briefly. Uh, obviously, the Scotland-France game has been postponed. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a shame. Uh, that would have been a great game. Uh, obviously, they they want to put people's lives and health is more important than uh, the game. But the other match this weekend is uh, Wales England, the world's largest house first village. Yeah, and Wales are on for the slam. Just need another red card this week, and they'll be <laughs> they'll be flying. You never what, know. You never what's know. the price? Freddie Powers probably got odds on. No, well, Courtney Laws isn't playing, so that reduces the odds. Mm. I'll have a few lads yeah. to manage it, I'm sure. I think, I think, anyway, I'm boys, Wales. I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, these are predictions for the two internationals in our, in our game against Glasgow. Oh, uh, I'd say Leinster will win comfortably against Glasgow. I'd say Ireland will win with a bonus point against Italy um, and it'll look great and everything will be all right and everything's grand until we play Scotland. Um, and I think England will beat Wales with a bonus point. Yeah, well, I will I will say that unless there's a red card, England will beat Wales. And uh, I think George will slay the dragon. If, uh, yes, if, if he does, uh, it throws everything into France's... Uh, if they can stay COVID-free, it'll throw everything into France's bow. Uh, I'll say that Glasgow actually, I was just looking at them there, they are on the same win record as the Dragons. They're a point ahead of the Dragons by virtue of not getting tri-bonus points. The Dragons actually have more tri-bonus points than Glasgow, but Glasgow got four losing bonus points, and that's uh, against the three bonus points that are uh, for the Dragons. Uh, so they are in dire straits. And I don't know that your man, uh, the, the Welsh chap who's coaching them, is, is, is the man to get them out of it. But you just never know. And they could have a few ringers from the from the Scotland team. So you just never know what, what could happen. Glenn Delaney, isn't it? Uh, 
Well, isn't it? Um, no, what am I talking about? Uh, the, sure. Danny Wilson. Yeah, I really, yeah, he, well, he need Mary's prayer, I'll tell you. I'm going to one of those jokes, all right. I set him up and I knock him out of the park, John. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just, I'm a little bit fearful about, about Glasgow in some ways, but, yeah, we should do a five-pointer against them. Um, they might be a bit closer to us than we'd like, but it doesn't really matter as long as we get at least four points out of the game. Preferably. I'm entirely certain we'll get five points, but I do think we'll win comfortably. Mm. We'll see. And uh, Ireland, Italy, yeah, five-pointer there for sure. I'd say they could cut loose. Uh, you just never know though with Ireland, the way they're going these days. But uh, yeah, I, I'd expect with Low and Larmer out there flashing the twinkle toes, I'd say there could be some damage done if the ball gets to them. Does Low have twinkle to toes or twinkle ties? <laughs> Who cares? Hopefully they, will. Hopefully they will use their overlaps if they do get one, unlike they did against... <laughs> France and Georgia in those autumn internationals, but they refused to, or even in, against Wales and uh, France again, the Six Nations, we saw the videos. All right, my boys, as ever, thanks a million. Thanks very much for watching. If you are following us on Facebook or Twitter or looking at us on YouTube, please give us a like, subscription, and a thumbs up. And thanks. Cheers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.